Today's episode of the Can't Wait Podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Jets tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, a ticket-buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last-minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're going to sit, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last-minute tickets. shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Hey everybody, Monday, October 7th. It's episode 14 of the Can't Wait podcast and we knew it was coming and it happened and we're not surprised, but the Jets completely embarrassed. 31 to 6 by the Eagles on Sunday. They fall to 0 and 4. The stage was set for this Connor going into it with the way that the week kind of played out. Can things get worse for this Jets team at this point? We'll start positive, I guess, and then we'll go from there. No, I, I don't. I don't think it can get any worse, but I, I do think that it can start to get legitimately better. I mean, not not to not to be the little ray of sunshine on on a pretty cloudy Monday. It looks. like. I feel like this I, podcast needs some of that though, so go for it. There we go. I'll, I'll be the I'll be the ray of sunshine. Like when one one of my old bosses hired me once, he said uh, he he told me that he goes Connor. He goes, you're one of the most positive people I know. I'm hiring you to be our sunshine, and I was like, that's freaking <laughs> weird. But all right, let's do this. Um, but no, so look, I mean, I, I know this is, this is probably close to rock bottom, but I think the jets have been, have been at rock bottom for the last couple of weeks. I mean, that's what happens when you lose arguably your, your best defensive player in, in CJ Mosley. This is what happens when you lose, uh, not just your first string quarterback, but your second string quarterback, you know, Sam Darnold's out, Trevor Simeon's out. The jets are playing someone in Luke Falk, who probably doesn't have any, any right to be on a, uh, on a, on an NFL roster right now. I mean, he's a developmental project at best. And, and probably a guy who, I mean, from what we've seen, he might never be an NFL caliber quarterback and, and probably won't be in the league in a couple of years. And the Jets are starting him in games. Uh, the offensive line is obviously is in is in pretty bad shape, but it's in bad shape in large part because of the quarterback situation. that They have a guy back there who can't help with protection alignments. Uh, the defense actually is playing all right. So, so they've got they've got that going for them sort of uh, in a way, at least, even though the cornerback situation isn't very good. Uh, the kicking situation's a problem again with Ficken, you know, kind of showing that once again he's not really a very good kicker, so that's a problem. Uh, but, but like I said, I mean, it, it it can't get worse, but it can get better because Chris Herndon is coming back, C.J. Mosley is coming back, Sam Darnold, whether it's this week or next, will be coming back. So, you know, there is a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. There, there is a sign that this thing will eventually start to turn around and. You know the the Jets team that's taking the field right now. It's it's not the team that that they drew up on paper in the off season. It's not the team that 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 uh, developed so much optimism during some some really impressive training camp practices and preseason games and things like that. I mean they are really banged up. They're really injured. They're really beat up. But the the positive of all of this is that the guys that are out are coming back and they're coming back soon. 
Yeah, they certainly are. And and let's start on the offensive side of things, which was the real problem on Sunday. And Adam Gase spoke after the game. And as he tends to do, he took responsibility for it. Let's hear from Gase first before we dive into this. The defense is playing good. Special teams playing good. We we all know what group needs to play better. You know, I mean, that's on me. So I told those guys in there that I'll get it fixed. It's 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 on me. It's on nobody else. So that's that's what we're gonna do. The offense was so bad uh, that the Philly defense actually scored 14 points, almost as many much points as their offense did. But Luke Folk, 15 of 26, 120 yards, not going to get it done in the NFL these days. No touchdowns, two interceptions, but it all goes back to what we talked about last week, Connor, and that is Luke Falk did not really get to practice for real until Friday as far as getting ready for this football game, and that's just not enough against an Eagles defense that, that won a Super Bowl two years ago. No, it's not. And, and you know, I, I was actually pretty surprised by the um, and I'm actually working on a story now, like the additional observation story that I kind of do weekly, uh, just kind of going a, a little bit of a deeper dive into the game. It should be up a little bit later on on Monday, maybe Tuesday morning, depending on when uh, my editor, Chris, uh, Chris Strauss feels like running it. Um, but, uh, you know, what, what, I was kind of surprised that that was my story kind of coming out of the game was was a column basically saying like the Jets screw this up, man, like they, they mishandled. The quarterback situation this week and in, in not giving Luke Falk any first team reps until Friday and, and putting all of their eggs in the basket of, uh, of of Sam Darnold and saying basically Sam Darnold you're going to be our you know you're going to start you're going to get every single rep we're preparing as if you're going to be the starter well here's the thing just a little background on kind of why the Jets made this decision when when, when they set Darnold in for tests last Monday which is when they were very hopeful that he was going to pass and there was going to show no swelling in their spleen or show swelling in his spleen. They, those tests came back and they showed that there was still swelling, that there was still swelling in Darnold's spleen, which means he could not take, take any contact drills and all that stuff. That's why you kind of, during that conference call, Gay sounded so downright depressed over this whole thing of, of how he was upset and he was worked up. And you could tell that he was, he was kind of depressed at the fact that, that it didn't look like Darnold was going to play. Well, when we all showed back up at the team's facility on Wednesday, Gates had a completely other tone. I mean, he was super, super positive, and he sounded very much like he expected Sam Darnold to clear, and he expected Sam Darnold to play on Sunday. And a reason for that was that the medical team painted this picture that while there was a chance that Darnold could not play on Friday, based off of what they had seen, they believed he would be good to go. That, that on Friday, he would pass his test, and he would be good to go, and they would run with it, and then he could play. That's what—that's basically the picture that the medical team painted for Adam Gase and his staff, was that, look, don't worry, it's going to be good, we'll be fine, he'll be able to go on. on uh, there's a chance he won't, but, but all signs kind of point towards him passing that test on Friday, and then he could play. So the Jets worked him out on Wednesday. He didn't show any signs of fatigue, didn't show any signs of, of, of those kind of issues with side effects from Mono. They were like, you know what, this kid looks like he, he hasn't missed a beat, we're good to go, we're good to go, let's go. Well, they sent him on Thursday night for, for those tests. Those tests came back swelling, and, and suddenly they realized, holy cow, Darnold cannot play on Sunday, so now we got to pivot and go to Luke Falk. And look, I, I there was probably nothing that the Jets could have done to prepare Luke Falk to beat the Eagles. And in all likelihood, this was going to be a loss, whether they gave Falk seven weeks to, to prepare for the Eagles or whether they gave Falk seven minutes to prepare for the Eagles. This was, in all likelihood, always going to be a loss. The Jets were just not going to win this game. With that said, when I was looking at the issues that Luke Falk had, because he showed on Sunday that he just simply is not ready to be an NFL quarterback, whether it was holding onto the ball far, far too long and taking sacks, whether it was 
ill-advised throws into coverage, whether it was an inability to make it through his read progressions and dissect the defense and figure out where to go with the ball, whether it was just completely missing wide-open receivers to hold on to the ball longer than he had to and then eventually take sacks. I mean, these are all problems, but I can't uh, fathom that this situation would not have been slightly better had the Jets not only prepared Darnold to play in hopes that he would, but also prepared themselves for the situation that Darnold could not go and readied Luke Falk as well. Whether it was a 50-50 split, whether it was a 60-40 split, whether it was a 70-30 split with Darnold, get Falk ready though. Prepare Falk to play. Hope that Darnold's going to play, but prepare for the worst if the case is he can't go. Instead, the Jets put all of their eggs in the basket that Darnold was going to play. They gave him every single first-team rep on Wednesday, every single first-team reps on Thursday, and they kind of got caught with their pants down when those tests came back on Friday and were like, uh, guys, Darnold can't play now because his spleen is still, his spleen is still swollen. So it's uh, it, it was I thought it was just a mishandling of the situation. That was my takeaway. Was it going to make a giant difference? No. Is it an indictment? on Adam Gase's ability to run a successful offense with Luke Falk under center? Hell no. He was like, you are not seeing what Adam Gase can do as a, as, as an offensive mind, as an innovative offensive mind with the current state of the Jets. You haven't seen it since training camp in the preseason because Darnold played with mono against the Bills in the opener. So he was lethargic. He was, he was kind of 50, 40% of himself in that game. So you have never seen Adam Gase's offense with all of these pieces on the field. So to sit here and rip him apart for the fact that that his offense isn't what it's supposed to do. I mean, that's that's just it's 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 kind of pointed criticism and you can tell that it's 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 said with some form of an agenda because that's that's just not right. I mean, if you like my take is that you can rip Adam Gase for the mishandling of the quarterback situation because that's what he did. You cannot rip Adam Gase for being this innovative offensive mind or anything else because he's not having any success with Luke freaking Falk under center. You just can't do that. So, you know, I think that that, that was something that surprised me when I ran that column is I got ripped pretty good on the comment section on The Athletic. You know, like, oh, this is your takeaway from the game. You know, he can't have any success with Falk anyway. Darnold should have gotten all the reps. You need to do it, blah, blah, blah. And look, if that criticism came on Twitter, like I really wouldn't have cared because Twitter after a loss is just a cesspool of negativity. I mean, someone slid in my, I'm not kidding with this. Someone slid into my DMs yesterday after the game and like I ran the story and like tweeted some things. It wasn't like after the game, it was just kind of opinionated stuff. It wasn't snark or anything. I, I usually turn up the snark kind of good. There was no snark here. But uh, I just tweeted something out about Gase and, and like the quarterback situation. Someone called me like, an extreme left-wing nut or something like that because of the fact that I was, like, saying that this was a bad decision with, the, like, the mishandling of the quarterback problem. Like, that's the kind of stuff that shows up in my mentions and DMs when the Jets lose is that I'm suddenly, like, an insane left-wing whatever because of uh, because of the, the handle, which, I, honestly, I'm not getting political here at all. Like, that's not my thing. But I found that a wildly uh, entertaining correlation for someone to draw between criticizing Adam Gase and, and, and tie, kind of tying that to politics. But... Uh, whatever. Like my whole thing is, is is that look, it was a mishandling of the quarterback situation. That was a fact. Would it have made a big difference? Probably not. The Jets are still going to lose this game, but Falk would have been better prepared, and he probably would have looked a little better had the Jets uh, gone out of their way to at least prepare him to play instead of saying, you know what, they took that optimism and they just ran with it. And and when the optimism turned into be more pessimism, and Darnold didn't pass those tests, well, obviously it uh you know the Jets kind of were caught out of out of out of position there a little bit. All right, so that brings us to this week where the Jets could find themselves in a similar situation. Now, we're recording this uh, on Monday morning. Not sure when we'll hear more about the, the situation with Sam Darnold, where his spleen is right now. But say the Jets, he gets you know checked out and the spleen is still somewhat enlarged. Do they approach this week the same way or do they change things up this week and, and give Falk more reps? 
No, I, I think, look, Adam Gase is, you want to call Adam Gase a little crazy, you know, like the, the crazy offensive mind and stuff like that. He, that, that's, that's, uh, that, that's one thing, but the guy's not dumb. He, he is not a dumb person. And I think that he learned very quickly here that you can't, with this mono situation, you can't te- take best case scenario and just expect it to happen. It's not like an ankle. It's not like a, a, a sprained this or, or, a, or a tweaked that. There is no set time frame. There's a chance Darnold is not cleared this week. There's a chance that Darnold cannot play. And I think that, that Gase realized that while the medical team can, can say, like, yeah, it looks good, it looks good, but there is still a chance that it will not go well. And if it does not go well, well, then what you got to do is, is you need to prepare for the worst. And I think that will happen, that you will see – I think Darnold will still get the bulk of the first team. Again, this is if Darnold has come back today on Monday and show that his spleen is still enlarged. I think what you would see is is uh, is more of a, a 70-30-60-40 split during the week where Darnold does get the bulk of the first-team reps because the Jets do want to prepare for him to play, but they also are going to get Luke Falk a little more ready where if he has to play, he'll be a little bit more prepared. Because again, like I said, I mean, Falk was the – Luke Falk, not Adam Gase, was the Jets' biggest issue on, on Sunday. And, and it was the fact that Falk really is just not an NFL quarterback right now. Like I said, holding onto the ball far too long, not making read progressions, or not going through his read progressions, not making protection adjustments at the line, missing wide-open receivers on the left to just stare down guys to the right, not going deep and instead just checking it off in the flat when guys were open deep. I mean, these are all problems that a bad quarterback has because Luke Falk is a very bad NFL quarterback. In fact, he is a not he's not a capable NFL quarterback. He should not be on an NFL roster. He is at best a practice squad developmental project. But again, a lot of those problems while also on Luke Falk, I have to imagine that they would be slightly better if Luke Falk had received some practice time, which again was a problem that the Jets had, a problem that the Jets obviously put on themselves because they did not prepare him at all. They just had Darnold do everything, um, and uh, I think it will get. I think it's something where, where Gase did learn this. He, he learned. He basically realized you can't do this, and and we have to again. Like I said, what he's got to do, Gase, is he needs to hope for the best. Darnold playing, but he's got to prepare for the worst, which is Darnold sitting. And I think he will do it this week. He didn't do it against the Eagles, and I think he learned. Falk was bad, and he had a bad offensive line in front of him. New lineup, though, Kelvin Beecham, Alex Lewis, Ryan Khalil, Brian Winters, Juma Adoga. That was the the lineup, the starting lineup for the offensive line that ended up allowing 10 sacks, 17 pressures, all sorts of penalties as well. Eight, and maybe the more telling thing, eight of the 10 sacks and 12 of the pressures uh, when the, the Eagles were just rushing four, so not even blitz situations. Uh, it was bla- bad across the front line. It's been bad all season, so... Um, what was your take, I guess, this line with some changes in the lineup compared to uh, the first three games? I actually thought that to some extent the line played a little bit better than that. And I know as crazy as this sounds, and I'm kind of in the middle of watching back the film right now. Uh, I got up this morning to do that. I just haven't completely finished going through uh, to watch it all. So taking a bit because, God, there's a lot to dissect there. But um, I thought the line actually played better. I, I thought that as crazy and as insane as that sound, I thought that the line did play a little bit better than they've played in recent weeks. Uh, I thought that Alex Lewis, who filled in for Kelechi Osemele, and that was actually, from what I understand, that it was trending that way even before Osemele tweaked his shoulder in practice and, and then has been sidelined with that injury, that it, it looked like Alex, Alex Lewis was going to get some legitimate playing time this week against the Eagles no matter what. And then when Osemele went down, it was just the, the insertion of him into the lineup and uh, he actually played pretty pretty well. I mean, Alex Lewis was arguably the Jets' best offensive lineman. I mean, you, you talk about all those problems, the numbers that you just read off, the hits, the sacks, the pressures, all that stuff. 
none of them came from from Alex Lewis. I mean, he wasn't credited per Pro Football Focus with a single sack, hit, hurry, or pressure, and, and finished with an 88.2 pass block grade and 75.0 grade against the run. Uh, both of those are season highs for any Jets offensive lineman, and he actually was the Jets' highest graded offensive player. So uh, he stepped in. I thought he played pretty well. Chuma Adaga, the rookie, uh, was kind of the surprise. I, I know I didn't see that coming into this week, the benching of Brandon Shell and, and, and Chuma taking over there at right tackle. But basically the Jets' thought process there is that they were getting more with Chuma from an athleticism standpoint uh, than they were with Brandon Shell. Basically, Brandon Shell's kind of a phone booth type player, right? He, he's someone who's just going to body up a guy, uh, kind of hold him there. He's not very good on the run. He's not very, He's not a guy who can get out there in space. He's not someone who's going to uh, get down the field and, and, and chip off a, a safety or a corner to spring someone on a screen. I mean, that's just not the type of player that Shell is. He's more of a, uh, you know, if you're, if you're comparing to another position that's probably a little bit more understandable for your average football fan, he's more of a box safety. That's kind of who he is. He's a box safety as an offensive tackle where that's what you got. Box safety is kind of similar to what you would talk about with a phone booth offensive lineman. Uh, that's what Shell is. And, and with a dog, you get a little bit more athleticism. You get a little bit more speed. Uh, his is um, true true infatuation with Sam Darnold because the two guys played college college ball together at USC is something the Jets took into consideration as well, that this guy is going to go out of his way to protect Darnold at all causes. I mean, he's not going to let Darnold get hit for anything. That's how much he values and cares about Darnold, which obviously carries some weight. But also he's someone that the Jets uh, invested a draft pick in. And, and both of these guys, Lewis and Shell, or Lewis and uh, Adaga, two guys that saw, saw some time with the starters this week and took over as starters this week, they're two guys that this Jets regime has has invested some capital in. Adam Gase played a very big role in the selection of Chuma Daga. He believed that some of those um, uh, mental maturity, not mental, maturity issues in college were a little blown out of proportion and that, that wasn't necessarily the case. He came away wildly impressed with him in training camp in the preseason, especially that week two game against the Falcons and really wanted to start his development this year, but also believed that he would bring more to the table. Then Shell did, obviously, like I said, for his athleticism. And then Lewis is a guy that Joe Douglas traded for. He was familiar with him from from uh, his connections there in Baltimore, and, and he believed that that giving up a draft pick for him to bring him in, he wasn't just a depth signing, wasn't just someone that they were just going to throw on the rosters. Oh, if someone goes down, maybe he'll play. No, they really genuinely like Alex Lewis and believe he can be a pretty good player. So they went out there, got him, and, and now he's obviously starting for the Jets. So uh, these were two players the Jets liked a lot. They threw them in there, and I think they you, you saw some improvement. Again, the statistics look ugly, the 10 sacks, uh, the hits, the hurries, all that stuff is really ugly, but a, a lot of that had to do with Luke Falk holding on to the ball forever. I mean, that ball's got to come out quick, and, and it wasn't. And, and again, when you're playing a talented defensive line with Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, there's only so much you can do. When you have that rookie quarterback in there, and a, and the the defensive line is base or the defense is basically run block or run blitzing every play. I mean, you're 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 putting a, a difficult situation, especially with basically nothing back there at quarterback. So, uh, the offensive line struggled. It wasn't good by any stretch of the imagination, but it was kind of a, a half a step in the right direction. Which at this point, uh, you're going to take if you're the Jets. You mentioned Lewis's PFF grades, and Khalil's actually not great still, week five, 60.1, but um, they've improved each week. Um, is that because he's slowly getting into shape after the uh, the temporary retirement that he went through before the Jets convinced him to come back, and can we expect Khalil to continue to get better? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that I think that Khalil is a guy that – that the you know that was that was a, a position Tim that, that I know you and I talked about this that we kind of thought that that was that was maybe one of the changes that the Jets were going to go with it was that they were going to put Khalil on the bench and they were going to put Jonathan Harrison at center and they were going to kind of get back to to what they were doing in training camp when things were looked like they were working uh, decent at least 
and instead Khalil did not sit down on the bench. Khalil did not did not take any time off. He was the starter again. And the reason for that is the Jets actually saw a lot from from Khalil in that Patriot game. That that they in spite of some of the struggles up front, they were not center problems. They were more quarterback problems and other issues on the offensive line. And in fact, when they went back and they watched the film, they thought that they saw some indications that Khalil is starting to find his groove again and that now it's going to, you're starting to see you're going to start to see legitimate steps up that each week now you're going to get to see Khalil get better and better and better and then eventually they hope in three weeks or so he will be at a hundred percent but even if he's at 80 70 60 65 percent he's probably still better than play, better player than Jonathan Harrison uh, at least from the Jets perspective so uh, he is a guy that, that again if you're looking for some positivity Khalil is getting better he is someone who is improving week by week uh, he is someone that the Jets saw a lot of in that Patriot game they still obviously have to go and watch the film on uh on 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 this game against the Eagles to see if that continued but I thought that there were some good things from Khalil and again this entire offensive line is going to get so much better when Darnold gets back in there and he can help with the protection alignments and stuff because right now Luke Falk simply cannot do it all right so the offense is a mess as you could see the receivers were were kind of not not seen much of either but we'll put most of that blame on on the other problems as well so we'll switch over to the the defense a group that you know what? They played pretty good. Um, for overall, we mentioned that the Eagles, uh, a lot of their points came on the defensive side of things. So this defense held its own. C.J. Mosley's still not in there, but they're they're kind of getting by without him. Uh, the Eagles had 265 total yards, only 189 through the air. Um, what stood out to you about this, this Jets defense that they've been able to, even when put in tough positions because of the struggling offense, kind of did the best they could. And I think you, you look at that that performance overall and you could say, yeah, not bad. Yeah, I, I think it's a testament to, to Greg Williams, honestly. I mean, I think that he has he has this group, which is wildly undermanned, really has a, has a legitimate talent deficiency, playing some really good football and keeping the Jets in games. Aside from those first three possessions uh, against the Patriots a couple weeks ago, I mean, the, the Jets defense has been playing some really, really good football. I mean, they really tightened up against New England. They played, I thought, very, very good against the Eagles, all things considered, uh, especially, I mean, look, their offense was going three and out every other play, so the defense, the Jets' defense was on the field a ton, and, and they didn't break, they didn't falter. I thought they kept the Eagles' running game in check for the most part. I thought they kept Carson Wentz in check for the most part. Wentz made some of his Wentz magic happen with, with you know, the the ducking underneath Quinn and Williams on, on what appeared to be or what would have been a surefire sack, so uh, that was certainly, uh, you know, kind of a, a testament more to, I think, the Eagles and Wentz than uh, than, the, than the Jets defense but look when you can hold that team to, to 17 points that's good I mean this is a very good Eagles offense that can do a lot of things and the Jets kept them in check and they kept them in games and you know Adam Gay said it said it after that that when he addressed the team after this loss is, is he told the defense just keep doing it just keep going keep keep your head down keep rolling keep going the offense is going to catch up we're going to figure this out we're going to get this fixed and then we're going to have a really good team because the defense is doing their job the special teams is doing their job the offense just isn't doing their job but you know, you got to think that, that when Chris Herndon gets back, when Sam Darnold gets back, as the offensive line continues to develop chemistry, and if the Jets do have something here with Lewis at left guard and with uh, with uh, Adaga over there at right tackle, maybe this thing starts to turn around and then they can start winning some games. But, you know, this defense is is, is playing good football. They're, they're certainly playing better football than a lot of people expected. I mean, when the season began, 
I know I was I was among the many the many that believed the defense was going to be the problem. The defense was kind of be the tire fire while the offense kept things going. But it's been the complete reversal of that. And and now I mean you're starting to see this team play with emotion. This defense play with passion. I mean even when they're down twenty one nothing, they're still bringing it every single play. They don't break. They don't quit. And that's a that's a big testament to to Greg Williams. He has these guys playing some good football. Jermaine Johnson back in the starting lineup. I'm not sure if we really saw that coming. So what's the situation there? Does, is he back in the starting lineup at cornerback going forward? Is it week to week? What are they going to do about him? I think it's week to week because, I mean, when Jermaine Johnson came in there, he didn't play really well. I mean, he came close twice to letting up two touchdowns. He got away with one uh, holding which uh, on, on Nelson Aguilar, which should have been called, but, but if it wasn't uh, or if he didn't hold, I mean, he, he just got completely burned. He was basically playing sticks on a third and long where he was sitting at the first down marker and not moving, and Nelson Aguilar just ran right past him, and it would have been a touchdown if Tremaine didn't bump him you know, 15 yards down the field and the refs missed it because uh, Aguilar would have still been running and had time to catch up to that Wentz ball, which looked like it was a little bit overthrown. Then when there was another one where Aguilar again got open, but the ball was a little overthrown, but uh, Tremaine Johnson was called for a hold there, so... Uh, I think it's going to be a week-by-week thing. The Jets are going to see what they have there with him. They're going to try to work him in, hope that he can get back to, to playing some good football. But I think at this point, Tremaine Johnson is what he is. He's not a very good football player. He's a liability when he's on the field. The issue is is that, as the Jets have realized, like Nate Harrison's okay, but but he's not really a starter either. So they're trying to mask issues at corner w- without really finding anything to do over there at corner. And then Henry Anderson, defensive end, he leaves the game with a shoulder injury. If he has to miss extended time, we're still, you know, we don't have an update on that yet. How big a blow is that for a defense that's obviously already depleted? Yeah, it's a big one because I think Anderson's a, obviously a pretty good player. And I know he doesn't have any sacks and he doesn't have any, too many tackles, but he does make his presence felt a little bit. I mean, he's kind of a, an above average player. He bats some passes down. He makes plays like that. He, you know, they just kind of use him uh, to do some of the ugly grunt work in the middle there. So I think that, that that's what you're going to see from, from uh, missing. I mean, is that someone else is going to have to step up and, and it's kind of, kind of feel for, for, uh, for Greg Williams, because, you know, every time it seems like he's going to get all his guys and all his ducks in a row, uh, it, it doesn't work out at all. Right. Because, you know, you had Leonard Williams, Henry Anderson, Quinn and Williams, then Quinn and Williams gets hurt. Right. And then Quinn and Williams comes back and now Henry Anderson's hurt. And the one common denominator in all this is the fact that Leonard Williams continues to make absolutely no impact at any point in any game, which is just, you know, kind of the story of his career, and and you kind of get a feeling now the Jets maybe made a mistake not dealing him last off season when they could have gotten a mid round pick, third round pick, uh, early third round pick potentially for him, maybe a third, three and a five, something like that, because uh, he's just showing that he he's not he's not a difference making player. He's just not, and and he's missing him. And and the Jets, you, know, you kind of say now with Henry Anderson out, the Jets are going to need uh, Leonard Williams to step up. But I mean, you've been saying that for the last four years, and and he just hasn't. I mean, Leonard Williams finished this game with one tackle. That's it. I mean, one tackle, no quarterback hits, no quarterback pressures, no quarterback uh, hurries, just a single tackle. And he missed a tackle and he got flagged twice. So uh, this has just been a, this is his contract year. The Jets are paying him more money than pretty much anyone else on this roster. And he's making no impact at all. And it's a, it's been wildly disappointing to see it happen. So they've been able to kind of galvanize the defense without C.J. Mosley. That said, they'll obviously be a better unit when they get kind of the captain of that unit back. How close is he? Um, what's the latest report on Mosley? Uh, well, we're going to talk to Adam Gase at 2 o'clock. I mean, it's yeah. 1140 right now when we're recording this. He's going to have his conference call at 2, where hopefully he'll provide a little bit more information. But uh, he'll he'll probably say – it's tough to say. I mean, he still hasn't practiced, and, and if – and if he doesn't practice, he's not going to play. But I think he's he's starting to, to make some headway. I mean, last week was when he was running full speed straight. He just hadn't really cut yet. So maybe he starts cutting now. And if he starts cutting, then maybe he can start to get some playing time. But 
that's a big to be determined because again i mean we've talked about this at nauseum is that you can't rush him back with that groin issue because when you're dealing with a soft tissue injury like that with, with which is uh cj mosley's dealing with a groin issue you can't rush him back because you run the risk of tweaking it and if you tweak a soft tissue issue you are running the risk of now taking a three four five week injury and making it a three month injury i mean you just can't do it so the jets are kind of trying not to sacrifice the 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 future for the present or, or not just to sacrifice this entire season for one game i mean they need mosley back clearly but i mean this team's issue right now surprisingly which which was not going to be the perceived issue when when mosley went down and, and the bills proceeded to go right down the field for back-to-back touchdowns to steal that game from the jets in week one is that the middle linebacking with Neville Hewitt and, and uh, Blake Cashman is not the Jets' defense. Is not the Jets' problem right now. That's that's not the issue. So uh, they're not losing games because of Cashman and Hewitt. In fact, those two guys have, have really started to play some pretty good football as of late. And I think that what you're gonna uh, what you're gonna see is the Jets are gonna be a little cautious with with Mosley. Is that they they want him back. They're gonna try to get him back. They hope to get him back this week against the Cowboys. But if he is not ready, they're not gonna rush him out there. They'll sit him and they'll wait. All right, so the big question now is where do we go from here with this New York Jets team? And it's a team that when you look at the schedule, obviously the second half of the schedule, a lot easier than the first half. There's wins to be had there, but 0-4 is still 0-4. So um, I guess it's baby steps. You have to win one game first. Um, it feels like they can't do that without Sam Darnold. So that that's step one, right? Yes, it's just correct. having your quarterback back, which is unfortunately something that they have no control over. Yeah, it's everything is Darnold. Everything right now is Darnold. And Darnold is not going to fix all the Jets' problems. They are a flawed offense, and it's not just because of the quarterback. But he will make things legitimately better. And if you had Darnold on the field against the Eagles, the Jets had a chance in the game. If you have Darnold on the field against the Cowboys this Sunday, the Jets will have a chance in the game. Without Darnold, if the Jets are starting Luke Falk, they don't have a shot. You can try to make things slightly better by, by again, practicing Falk instead of just sitting him the entire week. But you don't really have a shot in winning the game. But if Darnold is out there, the kid is a franchise quarterback. He is. He's that good. He can do so much magic off script that he gives the Jets a chance anytime he is under center. But if he's not, the Jets don't have a shot. So they desperately need this kid back. Uh, you know, Brian Costello writes for the New York Post was joking about bringing in a witch doctor to try to shrink Darnold's spleen a little bit. And we were joking in the in the press box about, you know, well, you know, technically the spleen isn't needed for survival. So why not just get the thing removed? I mean, you know, that's that's kind of the, the Jets need the kid back. They need him back. If Trevor Simeon hadn't injured his ankle like he did, the Jets probably are not in this situation. They can maybe be, a, you know, OK, we can just breathe. You know, we need Darnold back. but We can breathe. But with Luke Falk out there right now, I mean, this is just. This is utterly brutal. I mean, they, they desperately, desperately, desperately need to get this quarterback back because if they don't, they don't, they aren't winning. They aren't winning until Darnold comes back. Period. They are not winning a game until Darnold comes back. All right, on to more important things. The press box food power rankings are back. It's time for the press box food power rankings. Get in my belly! A little thanks to Twitter for the motivation, and we have a new open for the segment, Connor. What did you think? I love it. I love it. I got to give a shout out to my. You know, I used to work in radio uh, when I was many, many. Well, not many moons ago, but several years ago, I worked in radio, uh, and the voiceover guy who who voiced both our open and now the uh, press box food power rankings guy used to work at Jay Varga. He's a great guy. I've known him forever. He's a master at imaging, master of voice work. Does a ton of stuff for like ninety four WIP. Uh, and other stations around the Philadelphia area, which is where I'm from. So uh, I got to give him a shout out just because he's done some some great work. And I knew when we were talking about like doing a new intro, maybe, and then kind of having some fun with some imaging here, 
with uh, with the press box food power rankings. I was like, you know what? I got to reach out to Jay to see if he can do a little more voice work for us because I think it just sounds cool and and uh, it certainly does. I mean, this is this is fun. I like this. It's it's now. It's I feel like it's official now. I feel like you know this has always been like my life's work. Like I know I cover the Jets <laughs> and that's all fun. I mean, but like this this shit's what I live for. And I think that now, like, this is where I'm starting to feel like, all right, we're good. Like, now, all right, now it's super, super official. We got a hashtag. We got people asking for it. We got imaging now. Like, we're good. We're rolling. The press box food power rankings are here. We're rolling. Lincoln Financial Field, not so much. They dropped from five to seven. Sum it up for us. Yeah, so here's the thing. And and I, I want to make this clear. that You know, it's funny because, like I said, I'm, I'm from outside Philly. Um, so I, I, a bunch of my – that's where I grew up. So, like, a bunch of my friends are Eagle fans and, and a bunch of my friends work in the Philadelphia market. And they'd been telling me that – you know, I covered my first uh, Eagles game when I was writing for Big Blue Interactive, which is a Giants site. And I covered the Giants, uh, Giants-Eagles game in 2014, I believe. Uh, yeah, I believe it was 2014, the one where Victor Cruz uh, blew up his knee was a, a game that I was at. I actually covered the Jets in the morning and then went to that game on Sunday night. And, um, you know, that that stadium, I mean, that was I think it was the first time I was at the link, and it blew me away with just how good it was. Like, the food was incredible. They had a giant uh, table there for, for tasty cakes, like just nothing but tasty cakes on this entire table. They had another table dedicated to uh, cakes and, like, bakery cakes. So, so you had, like, carrot cake. You had uh, uh, carrot cake. You had different kind of uh, Philadelphia staples. You had carrot cake, cheese, uh, cheese cake. You had all these things. The the um, middle station of the press box where they have all like the spreads, kind of like the buffet style. You had like this huge antipasta spread. You had three different kinds of meats. You had potatoes. You had incredible food. Then you had a, a carving station always. And if it was a one o'clock game, you got an omelet station. You get a, you got an omelet station. Four o'clock or night game, you got a carving station with meat. Then the desserts were just unreal. Always had donuts. Always had the Philly pretzels. It was great. I mean, truly unbelievable. And I was like, you know what? This is why Philly was for a while number two on the press box food power rankings. And then when I went to Atlanta was when that changed it a little bit. And then obviously when we went over to uh, some other places where uh, the top spots obviously are one shit. Like Raymond James Stadium jumped Philly. So that pushed them down to three. The Mercedes-Benz, Levi Stadium. Like those guys pushed Philly down to, to I think they were four or five at one point. Uh, like you said, five were where this whole thing started, but everyone kept coming up to me like, dude, you got Philly too high. It's not the same. You got Philly too high. It's not the same, man. It's not the same. So I went into this game here and I was a little nervous. I was like, Ugh. I was like, I've had this place. Cause I used to really look forward to it. Cause they used to have, they used to have cheesesteaks too. Like they used to have just such good stuff. I was like, all right, is it really going to be that bad? And I will say this, it's not bad. So it's that's why you don't like when you're when you're top seven, top eight in these power rankings. I mean, it's it's an accomplishment. Like it's a good thing, but it dropped from five to seven because of what it's not anymore. So like when we got in there for the opening spread, which was mostly breakfast food, they had for starters like scrambled eggs, right? Or they had ho- they had a hoagie tray to start like at the very beginning when you first walk in. So where there used to be Annie pasta, now it was like hoagies. Definitely better hoagies than MetLife Stadium because these look like they were actually deli-constructed hoagie. But still, it's like Italian hoagie, turkey hoagie. You're like, all right, whatever. I didn't even touch them. Go down to the next section, and it's breakfast food. So you have your scrambled eggs. You have your sausage. You have your bacon. You have a nice fruit salad, actually. The eggs were okay-ish. I mean, they're kind of like those fake. They probably do them whether it's like the the dehydrated eggs or whatever, and then you just add water and then they puff up. I think that's the kind of eggs that they were. So they were fine, I guess. They had some cheddar cheese on top. They were edible. Weren't anything right home about. The sausage looked the the most unappetizing sausage in the entire world. I mean, it was basically just like a pale, 
disgusting tube. It was it. I was like, I'm not touching that. That looks repulsive. I'm not. I am not even touching that food. It looks disgusting. Bacon. I didn't have any because we can actually talk about this in a little bit if you want to like just go totally off not jets talk. Because I went to a wedding on Saturday night and I ate my weight in like unbelievable like lavish food. And so I was like, I I can't be too bad. I can't eat the bacon. So I left the bacon there. But uh, Matt Sibelkowski covers the Jets for NJ Advanced Media and Brian Costello covers the Jets for the Post. Both said the bacon was very good. The one saving grace on this whole area of this breakfast food spread was uh, Italian-style pulled pork, which was very good. I mean, they had some peppers in there. I have a picture up on my Instagram at Connor underscore J underscore Hughes if you want to go see it. That was that was legit. Like, everything else was kind of, aside from the fruit salad, everything else was kind of like, eh, the fruit salad was really good. The eggs, the ba- all that was kind of like, eh, the, 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 the pulled pork was very, very good. Like, that was legitimately like, you know what, if I got, if I paid for this somewhere else, I wouldn't be upset. Like, that's how good it was. I really, really enjoyed that. I actually put some eggs with it and kind of made like a pulled pork breakfast sandwich. So that was pretty good. Gave you a nice sesame seed bun as well to put it on. Really like that. So I was like, you know what, from that, that section alone, I was like, they're definitely not number five anymore. I was probably going to drop them down to like number nine, which is one spot above Philly or one spot above Buffalo, which we can talk about that when we go to the Bills week 17. That spot is freaking, they give you so much food, but none of it's good. It's really like this really like mind F over this whole thing. But that's that's neither here nor there. We'll talk about that later. So I was like, all right, I'm going to put them at nine. Then I was like, wait a minute. So I'm talking to uh, this guy, Zach Rosenblatt, who covers the Eagles for NJ Vance Media. I'm like, man, I was like, you know, I remember kind of upset there used to be like this huge dessert spread i was like it's not here anymore he goes well he goes you didn't see it he goes it's in a new location so i was like what where's the dessert right so i'm like all right let's do this let's go check out this dessert he takes me over and i'm not kidding with you tim this is where i was like you know what i'm i'm they're going up from nine they're definitely going up from nine are you an oatmeal like raisin cookie fan or anything like that like do you like oatmeal style desserts I mean, if there's a if there's a variance of cookies, it's not my first choice. But if it's the only option, I'll happily go with it. Okay, I'm a big oatmeal. I'm like a bit like my girlfriend Bree makes like the like for Christmas. It's my favorite cookie. She makes oatmeal raisin cookies, but instead of raisins, she used craisins, and they're freaking banging. And so like, I had I, um, when big... I was sorry to interrupt. When I was a little no, kid, no I once um, this happens to people, right? When I was a little kid, I once ate one of those little boxes of. Um, sun, sun dried raisins or whatever, the little kid type boxes. And I was already sick and I Uh, had one of these raisins and I got sick. And so for like, I don't know, 20 years, I wouldn't have a raisin because even though I was already sick and probably would have thrown up regardless, I was like five years old and it was a raisin and I blame the raisin for all of it. So, uh, so it took me a long time to come around to the uh, oatmeal raisin, but I'm on board now. I'm the same way. I was the same way with, um, uh, well, I'm still currently with oysters and clams, which if you ever, if this, if the Jets lose like two more games, we can get into my oyster or clam story <laughs> about how just ter- like really, cause we're going to be like, all right, yeah, Jets lost again. This is what I, okay. Now let's just have some fun. Uh, we can bring Marissa on here. We'll really have, we'll really have a, a good time, but yeah, we can get to the oyster clam story. I think that's more like we, I think that's more like when the Jets are 0 and 8, we start yeah. talking about my problems with oysters and clams than it is when they're 0 and 4. Uh, but for the, uh, the, I'm like that. And with cupcakes too, I still can't eat cupcakes and like store-bought, ca- store-bought cakes with like the puffy frosting. I can't eat that because I, I got sick when I was a kid. But anyway, so I'm a huge, I'm dude, like oatmeal raisin things. They're my, that's my thing. That is my, I love that stuff. So they had here oatmeal brownies. I never had them before. They were like, again, I have the picture up on my Instagram. It's delicious. It's like, it was this square thing with some, fro- like some cream cheese frosting on top. 
crushed like brown sugar granola and then like kind of like a, a thick cluster of oat, like the sweet oatmeal like you would have but the way that they cooked it it reminded me of the oatmeal cookie dough so like you know if you make oatmeal raisin cookies you make anything like that because this thing didn't have raisins in it otherwise that would have like probably like seriously with how much i love this stuff it would have made like lincoln financial number one just because i want dessert <laughs> but like the, it was just the oatmeal but it was kind of like the 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 dough oatmeal that you get when you would like make cookie dough whatever with slight icing on top and the crushed brunch. I mean, it was delicious, like delicious. So that was their cake area. Again, like they used to have so much more, which is why this still dropped. Like they used to have that plus carrot cake, plus cheesecake, plus all these other things. They only had these brownies uh, as their deli type cake. Then they had though all the Dunkin' Donuts you could want, like just boxes on boxes and boxes of Dunkin' Donuts. So when one box would go, they would bring on another one. And they had like your typical glazed Boston cream, powdered jelly. I mean, they had tons of donuts. They had pretzels. They had chips. Those were like, okay, we're like, that was that, that made me go from, okay, you know what? They're still not number five because it's not what it used to be, but no way they're number nine. I mean, they are definitely better than some of these others. Like they, they were immensely better obviously the new era field in the bills immensely better than denver immensely better than arrowhead which is why they moved up to seven slightly below heinz field and again heinz field was just a quality thing where heinz field doesn't give you as much but the food that they give you really good that's why they're they're ahead of the the eagles right now at six so that was the dessert section of the beginning entree so you have like i said the the pulled pork you've got the eggs you got the sausage then you have the dessert where it's like uh the hoagie tray obviously then you have your pretzels then you also have like the dessert, which was great. Halftime was when it was like, okay, not the best. They kept the, the some of the desserts out there. They gave you uh, either hoagies at halftime or like um, breaded chicken. The breaded chicken already immensely better than MetLife Stadium because it actually resembled real chicken. Like it was actual real chicken that they give. So I was like, okay, that's, that's pretty impressive. I kind of like that. Um, and then the other thing that, uh, they did was at the end of the game, they gave, uh, they had like strombolis. Like you could either have a cheesesteak stromboli or you could have a pepperoni stromboli. Again, the wedding that I went to, I did not try either of those things because I'm trying to not be 300 pounds by the time, you know, if we ever do this, like as a video podcast, I don't want to be like 300 or 400 pounds and, and, you know, basically have to get a wide frame camera to fit me in this. I kind of want to still keep my, my figure that I've been working pretty hard on. So I was like, I got to be semi good on this freaking trip. So I did not try the Stromboli's nor did I try the bacon. Instead, I, yeah, I say that after saying like, Oh, but I gouged myself in oatmeal brownies and donuts. So yeah, yeah that, that really worked good. out well, but yeah. So anyway, uh, I, I love that. This is, it's like my favorite. This is like my only good part of the week covering this freaking team. Uh, so yeah. So anyway, so the Eagles, they dropped some from five to seven, but still it's good. It, it's it, there. I didn't have an issue. It was, I think some of the negativity with the link is just people who go there every single day, like their home beat writers, and they realize what it used to be. And it's like, oh, it's not what it used to be. But for a visiting guy who comes from a stadium that sucks at MetLife, uh, it's it, it was still very good. It was still a good meal. There was a lot, a decent selection. The food was more than edible. The the pulled pork was certainly good, and the desserts were great. So so I, I came away pretty impressed. I think seven is a fair ranking. If they ever get back to what they once were, like if they ever bring back the abundance that they once had, I think you'll go up. You'll see this team. You'll see this stadium kind of get back to number five. Maybe it could steal number four, but probably number five. I think it's safe to say that the only people still listening to this podcast like food 
So why don't you throw in a little, uh, let's talk about Saturday, the wedding and the spread there. Cause you, you mentioned it so many times that whoever's listening now is like, all right, I want to hear about this wedding. So fill us in on that. Yeah. I got to give my, my, uh, my good friend, Joe Lacalandra, who I went to, uh, we graduated Monmouth together, uh, lived together for two years off campus. Uh, when, you know, our final two years at Monmouth, I mean, he's a, a very good friend of mine. He's actually a huge Jets fan. Uh, which was kind of cool because, like I've said multiple times, I, n- I did not grow up a Jets fan, so I don't know much about Jets history. I don't like in terms of way back when. So when I first started covering the Jets, I would go to Joe for like everything. Where and whenever I had a question about the Jets, like, hey, so you're a Jets? Like, is this a story you think you might be? I would bounce ideas off him. He's like, actually, you know, what, Connor, like, you know, he would give me story ideas too. Like, I I kind of want to read about this, and then I go and write it. So he was a huge help when I first started. When I was still trying to learn about the franchise, Joe was awesome. So. We're still very good friends. We still keep, obviously, in touch. I still go to him with story ideas. I still ask him questions about what he might want to read, especially, like, times like now when things are negative. Like, dude, what, what would you want to read about? And he'll help me out, and kind of, like, gives me story ideas to go out there, and he'll help me even with old-school stories. So he got married uh, to his lovely wife, Brittany, and they got married coincidentally in Philadelphia because that's where they live now. She's a diehard Eagles fan. He's obviously a diehard Jets fan. So uh, it actually worked out perfectly that the Jets were playing the Eagles the day before or the day after this wedding. So Brianne, my girlfriend, and I were able to go. Dude, I I told this guy I texted him. I was like, I I have probably I don't know if I I expected what I walked into this wedding for. Like this was just absolutely amazing. And I'm talking again. We're just gonna go. Like the venue was beautiful. It was at the. Uh, arts ballroom in Philadelphia it was a beautiful venue. Uh, Brittany looked beautiful. My buddy looked great. Like it was a fun time. Music was great. They had a live band, all that stuff. It was really fun. But the food spread, Tim, it was like nothing I've seen before. It was remarkable. I'm just going to take you through like the whole walk, right? Of the walk into the venue. So like you have this ceremony. They did a great where the ceremony and everything was all in the same location, right? So ceremony ends. They're like, okay, we're going to begin the cocktail hour. You usher into this new room. The, for the cocktail hour. And the first thing I do is they either hand you pink champagne or you can have an old fashioned. So I grabbed my old fashioned. I was like, you know what? Games at one o'clock. I got to keep myself semi in check, but I can also enjoy myself. Can have a couple old fashions. Grab my old fashioned. First thing my girlfriend and I, we walk into this room and we're like, oh my. So the first thing you look at on your right is a cheese fondue, right? That's your cheese fondue pl- uh, uh, thing, like cheese fondue fountain flowing down where you have the option of cheese, uh, different kinds of cheeses to put in the cheese, fruit, pretzels, all that stuff. That's section one. There's a pillar. Then there's another entire section of a taco stand where they're making uh, fish tacos, steak tacos, chicken tacos, taquitos, empanadas, all this stuff right in this section. The fish tacos, they have, I don't even know what kind of fish it was, but it was it was cut in front of you. So it's this big thing with its face looking at you, and they're going into its body to get the, the meat out of the fish to put on your, your tortilla to give you. That's the second section. Mind you, this is the cocktail hour. Then there's a like 20-yard antipasta spread where there's meats I don't know. There's there's like antipastas I've never seen before. There's cheeses. I'm like, is this brie cheese? Is this – I don't know, but let's put it on the plate and t- try it out. That's the next section. The section after that, you have uh, onion rings and uh, – what was it? It was onion rings and uh, a carving station for flank steak. That's the next section. Section after that, pizza with next to the pizza – is uh is all your normal pastas so like you have like vodka sauce and like penne vodka and all that stuff that's the next thing then the final section after the pizza and the pasta is your seafood so you have shrimp the size of like a chicken finger laying on ice and clam shooters obviously i didn't have any clam shooters because we'll get into that when the jets are 0 and 8 and we can talk about why i don't (laughs) eat clams 
They have the clam shooters. Walking around are the, the, the waitresses and waiters. They're giving out stone crab on ice. They're giving out additional empanadas. They're giving out cheesesteak egg rolls. I'm like, holy crap. And this is cocktail hour. This is the cocktail hour. So I'm eating my weight. I mean, I'm like, look, we're going for a run when I get home from this because I can't like this. I'm, I'm gaining like 10 pounds here. Cocktail hour ends. So I, I see my buddy finally. I run into him. I was like, man, I was like, good seeing you. Could it have been a year or so since I'd seen him. He's like, dude, I'm so happy you came, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, man, I was like, dude, this cocktail hour is killer. He goes, oh, wait till you see what's for dinner. I was like, what's for dinner? He goes, filet mignon and two crab cakes. That's <laughs> dinner, Tim. So you have Surf all, that, all that cocktail. Dude, flame it. So I'm like, are you? He goes, yeah, with asparagus. And asparagus is my thing. I love asparagus and green beans. Those are like my two favorite veggies. So I'm like, oh my God. So I tell my girlfriend, Bray, I was like, that's, she's like, holy crap. I'm like, yeah, holy crap. So we go to dinner. We're dancing. We're having a good time. They cut the cake, which is, again, like I said, I can't eat store bought cake. So I was like, okay, whatever. I'm not going to eat the cake. It doesn't, I just, it's not, I don't like that puffy, for, like the airy frosting. I need cream cheese frosting out of like the Betty Crocker thing. That's the only frosting I eat. Other than that, I, I'm not a picky eater, but that's like the one thing that I'm picky about. So I was like, all right, uh, that that's done. So all of a sudden my girlfriend goes, Connor, they opened up the cocktail room again. She goes, I think there's dessert in there. I was like, well, what is it like cake? She goes, I don't know. I mean, let's, let's just go check. Like, cause we were going to leave soon. I was like, all right, yeah, let's go check. I don't, I don't know what's in there, but they opened the door. So clearly there's something Tim it was like I freaking walked into Willy Wonka's chocolate factory there. It was amazing. <laughs> so the again, so now it's the same place as the cocktail hour. So it's the same like line of food. I I, I don't know how, like this again. Like I, I I went home and I wanted to like just like throw up because I was like my stomach is ready to explode from how much I ate. This wasn't a drinking problem. This was I ate so much food that I was like I can't move. I feel like I like I'm like the girl who ate the blueberry and then and Willy Wonka and became really big and they, they just rolled her away. I was ready to be rolled away. So the first table here on the right is the cheese fondue fountain. It's now a chocolate fondue fountain. Again, with with uh, pretzels, which you can put in chocolate. You can put your, your fruit in chocolate. That's the first section. The next section is uh, funnel cake fries, uh, creme brulee, and um, like a uh, uh, dipping sauce for the fries. The next table that was the 20-yard the, the antipasta spread is now 20 yards of different cookies and brownies and all like your typical bakery stuff, right? So that's like your typical bakery uh, like a little finger, like you pick up like three different cookies, oatmeal rate, like whatever your cookies are. I was like, forget that because the station next to the 20 yard play of 20 yard tray of cookies is a cotton candy machine. There's a cotton candy machine at this wedding, Tim. There's a cotton candy machine. So I'm like, <laughs> holy crap, there's a cotton candy machine. So I, I'm, I'm slapping Brie like crazy. I'm like, Brie, she's like, oh my God, look at the cookies. I was like, forget the freaking cookies. There's cotton candy. I was like, there's cotton candy. <laughs> we run over there. She gets a pink one. I get a blue one. We're like, lightsaber fighting with them like this is freaking awesome best day ever so all of a sudden i'm like wait a minute there's more so you go to the left like there's next thing you know to the next tray i think it was like cake or something like that or no that's um belgian waffles next to the there's what? a there's the the i'm not dude i'm not i'm not bullshitting you with this like this is true story so you have the cotton candy machine then after the cotton candy machine you have a photo booth which is like your typical thing at the you know whatever we took a priest like can we take photos i was like i look like a whale i don't want to take a freaking photo right now like you can probably see my my to, like my shirt's ready to unbutton. I was like, I need to like take like I need to I need to put on sweatpants right now. That's how full I am, and I'm still gorging myself. So next to the photo booth is a Belgian waffle station. So they're making waffles for you, then putting ice cream on it. But I skipped the Belgian waffle station because next to the Belgian waffle station was a was a milkshake machine. So you got milkshakes, milkshakes next to the Belgian waffles, and if that's not enough. Next to that was a s'mores station. They had a s'mores station in the wedding. 
It was the most absurd thing. Like, every time you thought it couldn't get, like, better, it was like, oh, my God, look. Oh, my God. I was ready to, like, hold, just, die, just die and put me here. Like, this is this is where I want to die. This is it. I was, just, I was amazed at the whole thing. It was absolutely remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. I was like, this is... This is insane. I wanted to. I, I texted my buddy after. I was like, "Dude, I was like, this was crazy." I saw him later, like right before we left, and uh, I gave him a hug. I was like, "Man, this was like, this was absolutely insane. This was remarkable. It was crazy." And like, the, you know, like funny thing is, is that when I was going to the wedding, I was talking to a couple of my friends that uh, um, I was talking to my couple of friends who aren't friends with Joe about it. I was like, "Yeah, we're going to the wedding. It should be fine." And like, we were just kind of talking about weddings in general. And we're like, yeah, you know, it's kind of funny because the food at weddings is never really all that good. So it's kind of almost better to just get it catered by an outside company. That way, like, you can you can, you can can get, like, you know, people will really enjoy the food, do something different. Because usually the venue doesn't really do it up. And I was like, yeah, I don't really know what, what they're doing. I don't know if they're having it catered or if they're using the venue. I was like, but I'll let you guys know. I was texting them play-by-play play the whole night. Like, <laughs> you will not believe what is happening now. I was like, oh, dude cotton candy machines and s'more stations at a freaking wedding i was like this is unbelievable like it was like christmas that was the best thing ever but yeah that was my weekend and then of course the jets lost 31-6 and i was sitting in the press box still like unbelievably bloated and, and i was like all right but you know what i gotta do it for the press box food power rankings gotta do it up there are certain things that, that stand out though and and now obviously you're not married uh connor so the the bar is just not like yet off the, the chart now so those are definitely weddings you want to go to after your own but uh i know getting ready for for my wedding my my wife didn't have a lot of like we definitely need this but literally the number one thing on the list was forget everything else there has to be a fondue a chocolate fondue fountain that's number one of everything so we we had one of those as well a huge hit obviously and and kids have a ball with that too but uh so we had the chocolate fondue fountain at our wedding but um sounds like fun and and hopefully you um hopefully by the end of the season or by the time the jets are zero and eight you've lost the weight that's what i'm hoping man and and i also hope that that maybe you know i uh, brie had enough of that champagne to not not remember too much about it so that hopefully <laughs> when our wedding comes around it's uh she's not gonna hey remember when joe had blah 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 because i'm gonna tell you what i'm gonna need to call i'm gonna need to call up paul or or uh or paul or adam i'm gonna call up our ceo adam and be like hey man look i'm gonna need a signing bonus because we just went to this <laughs> wedding and suddenly the the expectations that brie had for ours are not the same anymore so i need i need a little advance on my next contract <laughs> that's gonna be what this is like Oh, man, it was crazy. Dude, it was amazing. Things have changed. All right, so things are looking up there as far as the food goes. Not looking up for the football team, but we'll see uh, what happens this week. And obviously, coming up at the end of the week, we'll have uh, another podcast coming up. That episode will be exclusively available on The Athletic. This one, of course, available wherever you get your podcast. Uh, We'll have a full preview of... uh, the Cowboys game because Connor unfortunately will be back in the Meadowlands where the food is not so good but uh he can you can think back on this weekend next week when you're at MetLife Stadium and not enjoying the food uh if you need to distract (laughs) yourself from the problems plaguing the Jets the Athletic now has believe it or not 20 NHL podcasts including Blue Shirts Breakaway get the latest news on the Rangers from Ryan Mead and Greg Kaplan on the Blue Shirts Breakaway podcast um what do you think Connor are you going to be able to put up with the food at the Meadowlands next week uh, probably. I mean, look, it's yeah, a one, it's a it's one home, o'clock game. Right? It's sure. home. Yeah, it's it's a one o'clock game, so it's gonna be the same crap as always. It's gonna be the <laughs> the eggs, and it's gonna be the sausage, and it's gonna be the bacon, and it's like. But you know what's amazing, man? Is like I love eggs because it's so much protein in it. And it's really good for you. you can do egg whites like to really fill you up. You can eat like the entire tray of those eggs at MetLife, and you don't get filled. It's like, what the heck? Like it, it's remarkable. But whatever. It's neither here nor there. I might actually bring my own lunch for that one. 
All right, follow Connor on Twitter for the sad. pictures of all the food. Connor underscore J's on, uh, J underscore Hughes. And Instagram, which I didn't even realize you had. So check out his Instagram, same thing. Uh, check out all the food pictures from week to week. You do get some football stuff in there as well. So make sure people check that out. Occasionally, yeah, but mostly food. <laughs> mostly food. Thanks to our producer, Marissa Morris. Great job, as always, putting together all those little segments along the way. We will talk to you later this week. <laughs>